0: We're talking this morning on spiritual warfare. Now I recognize when I'm talking about spiritual warfare, there are you know, two different ways one can look at it. We're going to look at it from the scripture this morning, but there, there's one side that looks at it, and, uh, and I kind of grew up in that setting where, you know, there was no enemy. Everything was God. It was God's will that if this happened. It was God's will that that happened. And, and I wasn't aware that there was an enemy. But then I also come to understand later on in my Christian walk that there's, there's another camp, and that camp is that everything is the devil. Every problem is the devil, and everything I face is the devil, and everything is the, the devil, the devil, the devil, or the enemy, the enemy, the enemy. And before we throw out the baby with the bathwater, or uh, uh, let's look at the Scriptures and see what the Scriptures say. Because the Scriptures do have certain truths that it teaches about... A spiritual warfare. And today we're looking at seven victorious truths for your battle. The scriptures tell us that there is a spiritual war that is going on. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says in verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the trickery of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. And so these scriptures establish that, number one, there is an enemy. His name is the devil. And whether we realize it or not, we are engaged in this battle. The point of today's message is so that we might be informed. Because ignorance alone does not preempt us from the battle. We can be ignorant of the battle, but we still are uh, realizing the consequences of it. And so today we are all about being informed. Look at your neighbor and say, be informed. The big question, however, is what does this spiritual war look like? So we look at seven victorious truce for your battle number one know who your enemy is john chapter 10 and verse 10 the scripture says the thief comes not except to steal to kill and to destroy but jesus said i have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly number one know who your enemy is and the scriptures say our enemy is not god our enemy is the thief, the devil. You see, unless we... You say, that's very simple, Nathan. Yes, it's true. But unless we recognize that, we can easily start to blame the devil. I mean, I'm sorry, sorry, backtrack. Blame God for my problems. God's not the source of your problem. But unless we recognize who our enemy is, we can start to blame God. In other words, you know, again, I grew up in a church. I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. My dad was the pastor. We get along very well now. But, But... Where if, if, let's say, I got sick, well, that's God's will. He's bringing me the sickness. Or if something bad happened to me, well, that's God bringing it. It's His will. You see, I've come to learn from the Scriptures that there's an enemy. His name's the devil. He's the thief. And he's the one who steals my health, who tries to steal my relationships, tries to steal my well-being. It's, it's not God. and unless, unless we understand that, we can start to get angry at God. You know, I was watching a show this week, and in the show they, they, they actually brought up Job, the story of the book of Job, as an example of how God puts boils on people, and God destroys families, and God does bad things to people. Well, the story of Job is not that at all. Because when you read to the end of the book of Job, you realize that the story of Job is actually the Scriptures unveiling what's going on behind the scenes. And behind the scenes... It's the devil bringing evil on people's lives, not God. And it's important we be rooted in this because otherwise people say, well, God, why did you do this and why did you do that? And we get angry at God. It's not God. God, He came through Jesus Christ that we might have abundant life. And so it's it's elementary. We've got to know, number one, who our enemy is. Say it with me. Know who your enemy is. Second victorious truth, number two, know that your enemy is a defeated foe. Yes, we have an enemy, but he is defeated. And the Scriptures say that Jesus entered into the depravity of human flesh. It's called the Incarnation. And He didn't end it there. The Scriptures say that in the human flesh He died, and in His death He went to the pit of hell. And there he defeated the devil once and for all, and in Revelation chapter 1, now he holds the keys of death and hell. You have a defeated foe. Know who your enemy is, but know that he is defeated. In Colossians chapter 2, the scripture says that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. The same principalities and powers, by the way, we read about in Ephesians 6. He disarmed them, making a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them in it. The, word, the, the phrase there, triumphing over them, it speaks of bringing them out in a triumphant procession. To make a triumphant procession. You see, when this, when this passage was written, it was the Roman era, and in that time when the Romans would conquer another territory, another country, another king, they would have a grand procession through the, the busiest part of the market, the busiest part of the city, and they would take that defeated king, and they would make a great parade with him. They'd strip him naked to humiliate him, and they'd march him through the city so that the, everybody would know that this king was defeated, but that wasn't the end of the humiliation because they would take the king's thumbs, chop him off, It's kind of gory, but they would chop him off. And they would chop off the big toes of that king. And so there this naked king would come with no thumbs and no toes. It's not easy to walk with toes. How many know that? No, you don't know that. You Hopefully have your big toe. But uh, I've heard it's hard to walk without your big toe. And so there there they'd bring this king without the thumbs and without the toes. Why would they do this? Number one, to show how defeated the king was. But to show that this king, this defeated king, would never trouble them ever again. You see, without a thumb, you can't hold a sword. And in that day and age, they fought with swords. And so if that king could never hold a sword again, he's never going to be your problem. And in battle, you had to run. But if you don't got toes, you're not going to be a good runner. And so they chopped off the thumbs and they chopped off his toes. So that they could squelch every rumor that would ever arise that this defeated king was making a comeback and he would be their problem. The victorious king didn't want any rumors of victory. But you see, this is what Christ Jesus did. The scriptures say that he went into Satan's very pit and he defeated him and then he made a triumphant procession with him. In effect, he he cut off his thumbs and he cut off his toes and he made a public mockery of the devil showing that he was defeated and that he would never be your problem again. The problem is that today many people, they've missed the parade. And they don't recognize how defeated the devil is. And they're circulating rumors that the devil has more power and influence than he actually has. The point of Jesus triumphing over them, making a public spectacle of this defeat, was so that no, that Satan should never terrify us again and stop any rumor. In other words, when you hear a rumor that the devil has some power, you just laugh. He's a defeated king. His his thumbs, his toes have been chopped off. Amen? But sadly, a lot of believers are still circulating rumors today about the devil. The truth is Jesus is seated in victory. Ephesians says that God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above principalities and powers. Those same principalities and powers that were listed in Ephesians 6, Jesus is seated above them all today in victory. And where are you? Where am I? We're seated with Him in those same places. Principalities and powers are under your feet. What's the point? Know that your enemy is a defeated foe. And yet people today are still making a big deal about these principalities and powers. Have you noticed? Don't believe the rumor. Look at your neighbor and say, don't believe the rumor. The rest of you, look at your neighbor and say, don't believe the rumor. Number three, believe That the victory of Christ has been attributed to you. Jesus defeated the foe. You see, Jesus didn't come to earth to defeat the devil to prove that he could defeat the devil. He knew that already. He is all powerful and all strength. Amen? He came to earth to prove, he came to earth in human flesh to prove that mankind could defeat the devil, to prove that you have power over the devil in our own humanity. Otherwise, we'd be always afraid that the devil had power over us. Jesus entered. Jesus didn't have to show that he was stronger than the devil. He already was. But he came to defeat the devil in our place. And he entered into the very domain where Satan had his rule, human flesh. And he defeated him. It's kind of like that story. You know, the Greek army was at one time was trying to defeat the city of Troy. And they were trying for many, many months, and they couldn't defeat this city. And they tried again and again, and there was no vi- they, couldn't, they couldn't get this city, the city of Troy. And so the Greeks devised a plan, and they thought, you know what, we're going to pretend that we're going to surrender, and so we're going to give a token of our surrender to this city of Troy. So they created this big horse. It's called, you go ahead and put up the picture. You may have seen this horse before. They made this massive horse to show that they were surrendering to the enemy. And they brought it up to the gates, this Trojan horse. They brought it up to the gates and they left it there, and then they fled. They, they took off like they were defeated. A, a, only to re, the, the the reality, however, was it was a hollow horse, and inside the horse they were the Greeks. They hid their soldiers, and so the city of Troy they thought, wow, they're defeated. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna take this, this trophy in, and so they brought it inside the walled city. Uh, not knowing that there was Greek soldiers inside the, inside the horse and they brought it inside the city. They celebrated, we've won, we've, we've withstood them. They partied and then they went to sleep. And when they slept, the Greek soldiers that had hidden inside this Trojan horse, they got out and they slaughtered the army while they slept. You see, that's kind of a picture of what Christ Jesus did. Jesus came into human flesh, the very domain of Satan. And when when, when when Jesus was killed on the cross, it looked like Satan had defeated Christ once and for all, but the reality was that Christ, hidden in flesh, he went down into the very place of death itself, and he defeated it once and for all, showing that we are forever victorious over the devil. It was a setup. And that's why today, you and I need never fear the devil... Because Jesus proved once and for all that human flesh can have power and authority over the devil. He did it. Jesus was God, but he was fully man. That's why it's important to recognize Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, but he overcame. We have nothing to fear. You know, T. You know Pastor Peter talks a lot about T.L. Osborne or at least he used to. I don't know if he has recently. T.L. Osborne, he, Pastor Peter studied T.L. Osborne when he was starting out as an evangelist, and he, was, he did a great work around the world. T.L. Osborne said, I used to be afraid of the devil until I realized that the devil was afraid of, of me. The devil's afraid of you. Think about that. Church John 4 says, You are of God, little children, and, and have overcome. You have overcome. Not about to overcome. You have overcome. Why? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So yes, there is an enemy. We don't go down the camp and say, well, there is no enemy. No, 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 there is an enemy. But we also recognize, we don't go down the road of saying that everything's the enemy. No, the enemy is defeated. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But people are still spreading rumors. You know, we all love a ju- uh, juicy rumor, don't we? You, we all love to hear a juicy rumor, right? When it comes to the devil, sadly believers are falling for rumors about the devil. Can I give you a couple of rumors? We all love juicy rumors, right? Can I give you a juicy rumor? Here's one. People see, demon- see bad things happening in a, in a particular region. And so, they might say something like, we really need to pray hard to, to break through the principalities and powers in the heavenlies that are covering this region so that we can so that we can control these principalities and powers and break through the heavenlies so that God will answer our prayers. I don't know if you've ever heard that. If you've not heard that, you've been spared, so thank, thank God for that. But, but, you know, there's bad things happening, so we've got to break through the heavenlies. We've got to pray real hard and break through the heavenlies. There's, there's a brass heaven. I've got to pray hard to break through the heavenlies and, so that God will hear. Can I say respectfully? You don't have to get your prayers past your nose. Where is the kingdom of God today? Where is Christ Jesus today? We are not little minions on earth and then God is way up there in His throne. He brought heaven in us and now our responsibility is to release heaven on earth. You don't have to break through nothing. But you say, but Nathan, okay, but but why in certain regions are there certain... For example, in this region, there's a lot of homicides. Or in this region, there's a lot of this kind of evil. Or in this region, there's another kind of evil. What about that, Nathan? And, and, and aren't there, are you saying there's no principalities and powers? No, I'm not saying that. I already said there are principalities. The scriptures say there are principalities and powers, and they influence people. So, so, so then, but Nathan, so then what, 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 again, we're not, people love to go to the ditches. Everything's the principalities and powers, or nothing's the principalities. There are principalities and powers. And they can exude negative influence on a region. That's true. But, what is the answer? And that's where the rumor mill grows rampant. See, first of all, what's the problem? The problem is Second Corinthians chapter 4. The, the, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. They don't believe. Lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. What is the problem when we see evil in a certain region, evil in people, when we see evil in certain places? What is the problem? Yes, there are evil influences, but is the solution tearing them out of the heavenlies? The Scriptures say that they've been defeated. Now, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Scriptures say that people do evil things because their hearts have been darkened to the truth of the glorious gospel of God's love for them in Jesus Christ. And when a heart and mind has been darkened, when a heart and mind hasn't been touched by His love, it does evil things. Hitler did evil things influenced by evil forces, but his heart had not been touched by God's love. You know that in your life. You did evil things until your heart was transformed by His love. People do evil things until their heart has been transformed by God's love through understanding Christ through the Gospel. Evil things happen in the world today, yes. But it's a result of hearts that are being influenced because they have not yet understood how loved they are in Christ. The forgiveness that they have in Christ. And when that understanding comes alive, they stop doing evil things. So what's the solution when we see evil in a certain region? Well, I'm glad the Scriptures highlight it. For example, Philip in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, Philip went to Samaria. And in Samaria, Samaria was the place where Jezebel came from. So, you would think how some t- people talk today that Philip should have gone to Samaria and pulled down the Jezebel spirit. I've got to break it over this region because this is Jezebel's hometown. We've got to break the Jezebel spirit. Did Philip do any of that? No. The Scripture says in Acts chapter 8, Philip went to the city and he preached Christ. And multitudes with one accord, they heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. For unclean spirits, there are unclean spirits. They do come out with, crying out with a loud voice. Came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame, and there was great joy in the city. What was the solution to darkness in that region, the home of Jezebel? What was the solution? It was always and it was only Jesus. When Christ's love comes into a human heart, they are transformed. And when Christ's love comes into enough human hearts in a particular region, a region is transformed. Can I hear an amen, church? In Acts chapter 19, Paul goes to Ephesus. And in Ephesus at that time, there was a huge temple for the goddess Diana. Diana. Did Paul take up, say, I'm going to have prayer meetings on every corner of this, and uh, different quadrants of this, uh, of this city, and we've got to pull down this Diana spirit. We've got to break through the heavenlies. Not a mention. Not a one mention of that. He simply preached the gospel. And to such a degree where people's hearts changed, that the Diana business went out of business. Di- Diana temple went out of business. You see, why do I say that? Why do I share this? Because in the year 2000, there was 20,000 people, the year 2000, fast forward to present day, 20,000 people went to the city of Ephesus. Why? To break the spirit of Diana. Because they felt that Islam was being influenced by the spirit of Diana. So they went, 20,000 strong, to pull down this spirit, hoping they break the, the power of Islam. Listen, we, spiritual warfare is not puppetry. Some days, some the way people treat spiritual warfare is like they got someone on a string and if they just pull the right levers in the heavenlies, they're going to control somebody else. That's not God's way. He doesn't control you like that. It's always and it's only been Christ and it's always and it's only been presenting the gospel. You are loved by Christ Jesus. We receive that love, our hearts transformed. You get enough people transformed like that, a whole region's transformed. But you're not going to influence a region by simply breaking spirits and that. Listen, they are defeated foe. Amen? I think sometimes angels cry when they see believers as afraid of de- the devil and demons as sometimes we are. Third, say it, Jesus' victory has been given to me. Say with me. Jesus' victory has been given to me. Number four, the church now demonstrates Christ's authority. The church now demonstrates Christ's authority. Remember who the church is? The church is all of us. The church isn't a pastor, the church is the people. Ephesians 3 says, To the intent that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So we are called to make known to the principalities and powers that victory has been won in Christ Jesus. And what's the primary way? Preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out demons. But it's always preceded by that gospel entering somebody's heart. True story. I'm going to read it to you because it's very powerful. Of a person who is under the influence of demonic spirits. This person said, When I was in junior high, I became involved in Wicca or paganism. For two and a half years, I toyed with the powers of Satan, calling on numerous demons to do my bidding. Not only was I demon possessed, but I was heavily into drugs and alcohol. A few months before I became a Christian, I began to realize that I was no longer in control. In fact, I was the only, I was the one being controlled. My free will was so entangled with Satan's deception that I lost the ability to think for myself. On August 29, 1996, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. At the moment I confessed my sin, I gave my life to God. He delivered me from the demons, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, sexual relationship that I was involved with. I thought that I was rid of Satan's power for good. It wasn't long before fear started to overcome me. The demons I once fellowshiped with, they tormented me day and night. I could see them in the corner of my room while I was trying to sleep. When I was outside at night, I could feel their presence. After a while, I began to cope with it, and it became an everyday part of my life. I knew that they couldn't touch me, but I was terrified nonetheless. Almost four years after my conversion, I was still dealing with these demonic forces. I pictured them as towering beasts with claws and such. I would literally hide under my blanket at night for fear of the demons in the corner of my room. Uh, uh, Then I heard the good news of the Gospel, and I understood the power and authority that I have over them. I began to see the demons as they truly are, sniveling little things afraid of me. Say it again, sniveling little things, afraid of me. I discover that the only power I have is the power that I give to them. Now, instead of hiding in fear at night, I smile. I say a quick prayer of praise to God, and I fall asleep. My Christian walk is stronger than ever before, and friends constantly ask what is different about me. You know, sometimes I think, you know, again, angels cry when they see how afraid we are of demons. They are so afraid of us. They run in fear when we when we come. You know, it's kind of like a, a story, you know, I, how many know my wife has a dog, a little four-pound dog that I endure, and she's not here, so I can say that, but I'm not a big, not a huge fan of this little small four, you know, it's basically the size of a squirrel, Megan's dog, you picture a little squirrel, and now, you know, I put it on a leash and take it for a walk, it really tests your manhood, Dean, when you're walking around with a little four-pound dog at the end of a leash, you know what I'm saying, but anyhow, you um, <laughs> You see, so so I took so I, I, one day I had this little four-pound dog out for a walk. Are you picturing the four-pound squirrel that is called a dog that I bring around on a leash kind of shamedly? But can you picture it, the four-pound dog? So here I am walking this little squirrel around. Now, uh, uh, we're walking on a boardwalk, and we're approaching this, this Great Dane. This, this owner had a Great Dane on it. Let me know a Great Dane. I, I mean, I, the thing was up to my chest pretty much. You know, Great Danes are like small horses. And so here comes my little squirrel, And don't tell Megan I called him a squirrel, okay? But anyhow, she's in kids' ministry. So here I come with my squirrel, and here comes this horse. And so... You know, I'm expecting my little squirrel to be really kind of afraid, and this 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 big horse to kind of you know be aggressive. So here we come, and, and I'm really watching my little squirrel to make sure that that this little squirrel doesn't get you know doesn't get eaten alive. And, but to my amazement, what happened was this little squirrel it, it 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 lunged at this great dane, lunged. And actually, I was looking for the picture. This was a few years ago. I was looking for the picture because Megan actually got a picture midstream, and there is that little squirrel, the dog. Yeah, a foot off the ground, trying to get the, the Great Dane's throat. Now the Great Dane is like five feet tall. He didn't touch the Great Dane. Didn't he? Didn't get a nip or otherwise. But he's trying. And you think that now you think that Great Dane would just look down and just like open its mouth and boom, the the squirrel would be gone like like a bunch of chicken wings, right? But 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 did that what happen? No 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 no. The Great Dane was afraid. He kind of put his tail between his legs and he kind of tried to take off the other direction. And there is there's my little squirrel, ah, you know, going at him. I'm I'm like pulling them back, you know. But, 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 and and to make matters worse, the owner of the Great Dane was mad at me because of my little squirrel. Uh, Anyhow, I learned a lesson. But anyhow, having said all that, you know, in Christ we are that Great Dane, but too many times we're acting like, no, no, we're the opposite way. But anyhow, we're afraid of the little squirrel that's coming after us. There is nothing to be afraid of. You know, I remember, I, I grew up in a church, where, 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 where the, you know, the enemy wasn't mentioned. And then when I was filled with the Spirit, I was hungry to, to know more about the Lord. And so, as a 16-year-old, I paid money, get this, I paid money to enroll in a weekend deliverance ministry camp. The kind where that you sit around the entire weekend finding out what demons you have. People are puking them up. There's a lot of talking back and forth between demons. By the way, Jesus never talked to demons. Whenever a demon would talk, Jesus would say, shut up and go. But this weekend there was a lot of talk. It was like it was almost celebrated. The more the demons would talk, and the more we'd talk back to them, wow, it was a big deal. And people, you know, it was all this stuff going on. It came out a 16-year-old paying money for this to spend his weekend doing. But I was, I was. But you know what? My intentions were right, and maybe the people's intentions were right. But I became so bound by fear over demons, so bound by fear over demons. You know, my intention was right, but the, you know, fear is the devil's territory. And the moment we get into fear of him, he's got us. You know, like that lady I read in the story, I pictured these monstrous demons lurking everywhere. I remember when I went to Bible school. I went to Pastor Peter's Bible school, by the way, you know, but it was many years ago, back in the year 97. But anyhow, I remember I I was walking to school one day, and this, you know... uh, this this understanding of demons was was at least I thought these were these mo- massive hulking things. I remember walking past a bush, and, and I, no joke, I mean I ran past that bush because I thought I saw a demon in the in the bush, and I thought it was gonna jump on me and, and get me. You see, so I've been there. But see, I've come to understand that you know what the devil, these little these demons are like little shriveling shrimps in comparison to who you are. You are that great Dane. And yet when we're running away, it's like, what? We have nothing to fear from the devil. You know, uh, 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 Smith Wigglesworth, he, he, sometimes he'd wake up at night and he'd feel an d- evil, evil presence. There are evil presences. But what would he do? He'd be like, oh, it's just you. Roll over and go back to sleep. You see, when we have that attitude, it puts the demonic forces on tranquilizers. Are there demonic forces? We don't go to the ditch that says there are none. Yes, there are. But we understand that they're defeated. And if we just have this attitude, they're not going to touch me. They're not going to touch you. Don't be afraid of the devil. Amen? Sometimes we think this spiritual warfare is this cosmic battle between us and the devil. No, it's not. He's been defeated. This spiritual war is to understand the victory and to stand in it. And then to give it to others. That's why we make the Great Commission such a cause here at the Celebration Church. Because it's in proclaiming the good news of the gospel that hearts are changed. Amen? And that's why, by the way, in 2009, this coming year, starting in January, we're starting, we already have some, but small groups centered on the believer's authority. I don't want our church to be chased around by these sniveling little squirrels of my dog, you know, that we think are demons. But, I, you know, I want us to be rooted in this, in this understanding. And so we're going to have 12 meetings, one a month, and, and, and why I'm presenting this, I'm not done preaching by the way, but why I'm presenting this right now is because it kind of ties in with what I'm teaching. You see, we've got to know the victory we have to rest in it. And we're going to do 12 teachings, one a month, we're going to do it through small groups. And I'm bringing this up today because I, I want, if you're willing to be a small group leader, I want to talk to you. Next week between services, I'm going to have an informational meeting, but we need small group leaders. And I, I'm encouraging, I'm challenging each of us. Would you consider being a small group leader? We'll provide the material, the curriculum, but to, to, to get a grounding. We're just scratching the surface here today, but get a grounding in this victory that we have in Christ, amen? You choose the date, the time, the location. I'm not going to get into all the all the the, the how-to's right now. I'm going to have an informational meeting next Sunday at 12:30 between the services. But I want to I want to challenge you. Would you consider being a small group leader? I'll get into what that means next week when we meet. But even if you're interested, you say, "I oh, just information." I've actually put a volunteer card on your chair. Just write your name and number. I'll collect it at the end of the service. I'm about to get back into my sermon here in a moment. But but I want to encourage you consider to be a small group leader because people need to know be re- rooted in this victory that we have. Not running. Away away from demons but knowing that we are strong in the Lord and overcomer Amen? amen number four that we why because we demonstrate the victory number five the only place the devil can have in the believer's life is the place that we give him he has no power over you he can't take any place in your life don't use the excuse well the devil made me do it no he didn't he can't make you do a thing so what do we do practically when there's when there's trouble in our home do we just ignore the devil? You know, there's no evil? I don't have to do a thing? No. We have, first of all, we ask God for wisdom. Say, God, wh- wh- what's going on here? Give me spiritual eyes to see. And then what do we do? We apply the victory of Christ through the blood of Christ Jesus. Amen? You got victory. Put your foot down. It's not to be afraid of, but to know the victory. Every night when I put my son to bed, I speak the blood over him. I say, God, I thank you that your blood covers him. You're protected from evil, evil circumstances, evil people, and evil situations. So I, I trust that there is power in my authority that Christ has given to me, and I speak it over him, not in fear, but in faith. But then don't go the other route and blame everything on the devil. For example, if I don't give my son a bedtime, and if I, if I let my son eat whatever he wants, and if I let him watch TV all hours of the night, my son might get a behavioral problem. How many know that? Just right. Now I can't blame the devil for that. I, I, you know, in some ways, you know, again, it's not all the devil. And at the same time, we need to use our wisdom that God has given to us. So when Megan brought me a book on how to raise a one-year-old, I read how to raise a one-year-old because I need to know. You know, it's not all the devil. I can plead the blood all I want, but some of it's just my own human—not human, but God wisdom that He's given to me. He's given me the mind of Christ. Amen. You see, sometimes we love one of the two ditches. Well, it's just all all this or it's all that. No. I apply the blood by faith, and then I say, God, give me wisdom to be the parent that I need to be. How many know God can do that? I can't just do whatever I want and then apply the blood. No, God's given us the mind. Say it, I have the mind of Christ. You can put a foot down and say, I have authority in my home. Amen? We have the victory of Christ. It's been attributed to us. I'm about out of time, so I can't. We're not going to be able to get to all the points, but let's skip number number six. Is stand in the whole armor of God. This armor, I'm not going to get into it all, but the armor is simply what God, the victory that God has given to us, and we are to stand in it. Not running after the devil, not trying to do this or that, but standing. Standing. I, I, I'm sorry to say, for all the you know the the war people love war movies, but ours is not a battle that we're chasing after the devil. It's standing our ground in the victory. Putting a line in the sand. No, you're not having your way with me. This is it. And I'm standing in that. I'm rejoicing in that. I'm, I'm victorious. Amen? Number seven, f- seventh victorious point. Know that you, you are the person who God says that you are. Know that you are the person who God says that you are. You are more than a conqueror. You have the blood of Christ at your disposal. You are more than a conqueror. I love this, Joel Osteen's dad, John Osteen. He tells a story. One day he, was, he felt like he was in a battle with the enemy and it just, he wasn't getting the victory. And He was reading the pages of the Scriptures and suddenly he began to see in his imagination this man coming off the pages of the the Scriptures. And he began to see a man who was in victory. A man who was overcoming the enemy. A man living in joy and health and victory. And he, he said, God, who is that? Thinking maybe it was Christ, seeing Christ in the Scriptures. And God spoke in His Spirit and He said, well yeah, that's Christ, but it's also a picture of you because as Christ is, so are you. Number seven, know who you are in Christ because you are more than a conqueror. Demons flee in your presence. Amen? Know who you are. You know, the devil's nothing but a bully. Maybe you're here today and you say, the devil's been bullying me around. Well, he's, he just takes the territory that we give him. But you know, I heard, a, you know, it's like a bully at a at a high school. And this bully, he, every year he'd bully people around. And so at the beginning of one year, there's this wiry little kid. And he, 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 he wasn't about to put up with this bully another year. So he went up to the he went up to the bully and said, you know, bully, what are you doing? The bully was writing on a piece of paper. He said, what are you doing? He was writing on that piece of paper. And the boy said, well, I'm writing down all the kids that I'm going to bully this year in school. I'm just writing down their names. So the wiry kids, he said, you know, uh, let me see that paper. He looked at the paper and there was his name on the paper. Well, that wiry could... St- kid stood up. He put his shoulders back. He looked the bully straight in the eye and he said, you better erase my name off your bully list because I won't be bullied by you this year. And you know what that bully did? How I many of know bullies are, you know, they're all barking, no bite anyhow. The bully took his eraser and he erased his name off of, off of that list. I, I tell you what, there are people here today in this room, you need to tell the you know we don't make a lot of the devil, but he's been pushing you around. You sit and say, take out your eraser devil. Erase my name because I know who I am in Christ. I am healed. I am healthy. I am strong. I am Prosperous. I'm an overcomer. I'm surrounded by the blood. I am for, as for me and my family. We shall serve the Lord. The blood of Christ surrounds my children. Evil won't touch them. Amen. I know who I am. You're not pushing me around. In the name of Jesus, take your hands off me and my family. Amen. Why don't we stand together, church? Father, I thank you. Just stretch out your hands right now. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus as your truth is invading our hearts and our minds. Father, I thank you that freedom is in this place. Lord, I thank you that where the enemy has been spreading lies, lies that that sickness is going to take that individual out, lies that you're never going to recover, you're never going to be the person God God called you to be, that you're never going to rise up in that business, you're never going to rise up in that relationship. Father, I thank you that right now that the faith that you are greater in them than than that lie. Father, I thank you that it is arising, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you that chains are breaking in the name of Jesus as this truth becomes a reality in our lives, Father. I thank you for health and wholeness now. I thank you for whole families, Father. We speak your blood over children, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that the devil will have no place in their lives, but he is defeated. Father, we declare that victory this morning in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give Jesus the big shout of thanks. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment.